Good morning, Creekside. I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. Thrilled to be worshiping with you guys. Um, man, we're super young over here, Richard and beyond, just super young. So what's up, youth? You guys doing okay? Cool. It's super exciting. Good. Glad you guys are here with us. Um, I, so happy new year, everybody. It feels like uh, we're off to like a really busy start. That's how I personally feel. Don't know how you guys feel. Hopefully you feel more at peace than I do. We're, um, we're going to jump into uh, the gospel of Mark in a couple of weeks here. But for the meantime, we're kind of pausing a little bit longer than we expected to, to kind of hit some of the, the big picture themes that we're like, as we start another year, you know, it's just, you get into the grind and everything else. But as we come off the holidays and we've been focusing on Advent and the arrival of Jesus, um, it just feels right to kind of pause a little bit longer and talk about a couple of things that we're trying to highlight. So this morning, what I want to highlight is, uh, is prayer. And on the one hand, like prayer is so basic and we all know uh, what it's about and how to do it and all that kind of stuff. On the other hand, it's one of those things that I just feel like, um, I feel like as a pastor, as a Christian, as just a person, I feel like prayer is one of those things that I've always known is important and I've most of my life been horrible at. So full confession, I haven't been a, a super prayerful person for most of my life. Matter of fact, when I um, when I was like called into ministry, I was in, I was in college and I uh, felt the Lord leading me that direction. And I got an opportunity to kind of lead a college ministry. I was like a sophomore in college at the time and got to do part of this student led thing. And it was such a blessing. And I just got caught in um, trying to make everything happen. You know, like there's just, there's events that have to happen. There's scheduling of people. There's uh, study that has to happen. All those things, the task oriented, the study, the accomplishment, the achievement, all that I'm like wired towards like get stuff done. Um, but I was not very prayerful at all in it. Um, and it took the Lord like sort of waking me up to it, to pull me away from the task oriented stuff in ministry and to remind me um, this, is about, this is about the people that you're serving. You're supposed to love them. Like it's not about getting services together for them. It's about loving them specifically. And it's not about doing things for God. It's about like being with God. Like the Lord was reminding me of that. So at one point in college, I had written myself this letter um, about like, hey, prayer is vital. You're realizing this at this point. So down the road, when you read this again someday, um, remember that prayer is like absolutely vital. And it felt great to write that letter. And then I tucked it in an old Bible and then, uh, you know, forgot about it. And then I found, the I found the letter a few times over the years, to be honest. And most of the time I read it, it's a super convicting letter because I'm like, ooh, yeah, I think I have forgotten how important prayer is. And I just get task-oriented and I get study-oriented and I don't get into these spaces with God. But over the last few years, um, especially I would say starting with the whole COVID season and everything, the Lord has just been reviving in my heart and just pulling me almost almost against my will, it feels like, pulling me deeper into prayer and putting people around me that are um, super prayer focused. And I just, the, our church family, the Lord has been doing a lot of prayer things in our church family. And so um, as we kind of look ahead at this year, I'm, I'm thrilled to talk about prayer and just as a reminder of something that we, we all know, but I'm certain that most of us have forgotten, which is God is there and we can talk to him and it matters that we talk to him. So um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'll put it up on the screen. But before we jump into uh, Matthew 7 here, I want to uh, just expose three lies that I think we would all deny. We know that they're lies, um, but I think that we very easily get caught up in believing them, okay? So the first lie is this. 
you are responsible for making sure your life goes as you think it should, right? So we all have plans for our life, things that we want to see happen, and we believe that we're responsible for it. Now, maybe you're like really wise and you're like, no, of course not. Like, like it's, it's God's responsible for this. It's not me. But we live our lives as though like it's all on us, right? And when a problem comes, when things fall apart, we function like we have to fix this. I've got to figure this out. I've got to get the pieces in place. I've got to have my plan um, done. And it, it, it's just, it's a lie. It's absolutely a lie. Second lie is very similar, but it's this. You're capable of making sure your life goes as you think it should. So not only do I think we're not responsible for making sure it all happens, but we're not even capable of doing that. But we believe the lie that, like, I can. If I just tried harder, I could get my life where it needs to be. Now, I'm not trying to be like, um, just be passive in your life. Don't try to achieve anything. I'm not trying to say that. But there is this, like, baseline responsibility of when things don't go the way that we want them to, we act as though it's on us to figure it out and to fix it. And I'm just here to remind you, that's not the case. That's not how life was designed to work. Third line, third lie, very similar. You can or should be able to figure out and correct your circumstances, relationships, or problems. So listen, we work hard. We throw ourselves into it. We get creative. We work together. All those things, right? But at the, at the base of it all, I'm, I'm here to remind you that like, Life is not meant to, it's not designed to be such that we sit there and we figure it out and through our hard work and ingenuity, we make it happen in a way. But man, I'm telling you time and time again, we, when things begin to fall apart, we act as though that's the case. So what I want is for this morning to feel uh, like taking a deep breath again and just reminding ourselves like, okay, life is crazy. Life is busy. Life is out of my control. I, I, I can't... Uh, fix what's happening in my life and to remember we're never you were never intended to prayer is this this act this step of faith that we take to talk to God about what's happening in our hearts in our lives to ask him what's happening in in his heart what does he want and and see for us and to just take that deep breath and say okay Lord I need you I I need to remember that I need you and I'm asking you Lord um, to work so here's the invitation to recognize our need for God to step back into life with Jesus um, in a prayerful way. The best thing I can offer you is Jesus himself invites us to pray. And so I'm going to walk through an invitation in which Jesus invites us to pray. This is in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7, just looking at four simple verses. And here's what Jesus says. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and, to the, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So these are the words of Jesus. I want, to, I want to just say that I would never have the boldness to write these verses, okay? Because for me, I'd be like, ask God for the things that you need and like see what he does. That's how I would write it. You know what I'm saying? I'd be like, um, tell God what's on your heart and, um, and just be open for the ways that he might creatively answer that that's probably different than what you specifically asked for. Like I would be very hedgy. I would be very cautious theologically in stating this. But Jesus just steps in and he's talking to us and he says, look, Ask for what you want, and, you'll, and I'll give it to you, you know? Um, seek, and you're going to find what you're looking for. Knock, and the door is going to be open to you. Jesus is very bold in saying this. And this is, so these are his words. It's his invitation. He's asking us to get involved in this whole thing. So I want to just take these each one at a time. Ask, and it will be given to you. Jesus is saying, come to me, come, like, come to the Father, come to me, and ask, and I'm going to give you what you're asking for, Okay? 
I did a while back a study on prayer in the Bible. Because it's like, it's interesting, like, what are the origins of prayer? How does it, how did it start? Like, how do you, like, what are the original instructions given for, like, here's what it means to pray? And what I was surprised to find is that, like, that doesn't really exist in the Bible. Like, there's not, like, a part where it's like, okay, hey, we haven't really been talking, but, like, let's set up prayer here, and this is how it's going to work. There are definitely theological statements, including these, that talk about what prayer is. But what's interesting is when you start reading the Bible, it's a story, it's a narrative, and you don't find prayer explained as much as just people just start talking to God, and God just starts talking to people, and they all treat it like it's the most normal thing in the world that, like, yep, God talks to us, we talk to him. Prayer is just a thing. It's just a fact of the biblical world that we can talk to. They just assume that's the case. That's a, I think it's a miracle. I, like, there's no reason why we should be able to talk to God, or he should be able to speak to, I mean, God can do whatever he wants, but it just is amazing that he wants to have these conversations with us. It's assumed. And so we walk through life, and I think in our modern society, the way that it works is we have like a closed system mentality where everything is like, the only people that you talk to are the people that you can see or hear, right? Like, like if you go through life, and you talk to somebody who's not there, then you are, like, by definition, a crazy person, right? Some of you guys had uh, imaginary friends growing up. Some of you youth guys, I assume, like, probably half of you probably still have an imaginary friend. It's totally fine. Um, and if you're, if you're talking, though, talk to the imaginary friend in private. If you talk to the imaginary friend in, in, in public, it's like, okay, that is a crazy person. I... Um, I remember the first time, uh, like when, you know when Bluetooth technology came out, like, so like cell phones still kind of blow my mind a little bit, but the first time that I saw like Bluetooth, I was at an airport, and um, there's a guy that's just walking around, right, he's just got his hands at his side, and he's just like walking like up to people just talking, but he's clearly like not talking, to, and you're like, are you talking to me, like what's going on, and then he turns and he's got the little Bluetooth thing, I'm like, oh, I think that guy's on the phone, but he's like walking around like he, so you're like, at first you're like, this guy is nuts, this is crazy, let's give him some space, and then you're like, oh. He's on the phone. I think, that, uh, I think that the way that prayer works is not that different than uh, the way that cell phones work. Because, because it's like this. Um, you shouldn't be able to talk to someone who you can't see, right? Someone who's not there. But cell phones miraculously make it possible. That person's voice is traveling through the air. You can't see them. You can't hear them. But the cell phone somehow picks up that person's voice and makes it so that you can hear it and you can talk to them, right? It's, it's kind of a miracle. I mean, just, we take it for granted, but uh, just imagine trying to explain to an Amish person how a cell phone works. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, no, no, no. The, yeah, yeah, he's across the country, but like I'm talking to, you know. I think prayer is like that. It's not, it's not any less weird um, or any more weird, I think, than talking honest. It's like, yeah, okay, I can't see God, granted. Yes, I can't hear his voice just like audibly rumbling around or whatever. But when I pray, there's this conversation that we can have. Prayer is like the, the technology that attunes me to the voice of God. And so, yes, it sounds weird, um, but it, it's real. And, I, and this, is, this is what I think. We as Christians, I think, believe that we can pray. We believe that God's real. We believe that we can talk to him. But I think um, that it's easy for us to slip into this mindset where we go and we pray, and it becomes discouraging, right? Because you're not often in prayer, we're not hearing an audible voice from God. Often when I pray, I'll just tell you what my experience is. Often when I pray, it feels like me saying words into an empty room, and I'm not hearing any words back. You know what I'm saying? So there's the temptation to feel like, this doesn't matter, right? Like, this, this isn't that important. It, like, I can, if I'm just saying stuff and I'm not hearing anything back, I begin to lose, like, okay, this isn't, but the invitation is to see prayer is this reminder of, look, like, it's not about um, hearing the voice. It's not about, like, not looking like, it's like, no, 
I believe God's there. I believe that he can hear me when I talk. I believe that he's able to speak to me and that he will do that in the ways that he chooses to do it. And so um, Jesus is the one who's sitting here and he's inviting us. He says, hey, ask and you'll receive. Ask, right? And, um, and it will be given to you. Like I think that is such a beautiful reminder that it's not just that we can pray. It's that Jesus tells us, do it. Ask. Ask for what you want. Ask me and I'll be working with you. Like, ask me and I'm going to give. Now, he's not promising us, like, I'll give you anything you've ever wanted. He's not saying, I'll give it to you exactly when you want it. I'll give it to you exactly the way that you asked for it. Um, but he is saying, like, I want you to be asking. When you have a need, when you have a desire, I want you to be asking me and I'm going to give you, um, you I'm going to, like, it will be given to you. You will receive. I think he's promising that, like, yes, I will be responsive when you ask me. Now, it doesn't always work out the way we want, um, but I think Jesus is saying, yes, I will be there, I will be responsive, I will hear you. So ask and you'll receive. Second thing he says, seek and you will find. Seek, I used to think seek was more like, um, you know, pursue a specific thing, seek for something and I'll give it to you. But that would be just another way of saying like ask and you'll receive. I think that the seek is a little more like directional, you know what I'm saying? So it's a little less like um, I'm seeking the answer to this prayer. I think it's like, who are you seeking, right? What are you seeking? What kind of relationship with God are you seeking? It's, it's more of like a, a quest word or like a journey word. Like go, go looking and you're going to find what it is that you're going to look for. Or, or I would say in this case, you'll find who it is uh, that you're looking for. And if we think of seeking, Jesus says seek and you'll find. If we think of seeking as more of a quest and less of a request, that was clever. I just came, that just came out of my mouth just right there. <laughs> I should have put that in my notes. <clears throat> If you think of, if you think of uh, seeking as more of a quest and less of a request, um, then I think uh, it kind of reframes it a little bit. Because if you're making a request, you need to ask, like, specifically, okay, what am I asking for specifically? But if it's a quest, you're more, like, headed in a direction. You don't know what it looks like. And I, I feel like often with God, it's like, I, I don't know exactly what to ask for, you know? Like, like you guys, I, like, I pray for um, you guys as a whole. I pray for many of you individually as I am aware of your needs. And I'm not always sure exactly what to ask for, but it's like, okay, Lord, I, I want you to be working, but like, I need you to fill in the details, you know? Or, or even like my own life, like, Lord, I don't know exactly what I want my relationship with you to look like. I don't have my, like my imagination's not there all the way to fill it in, but, but I want this connection with you. And, and we don't have to know the details. We're just saying, Lord, I'm, I'm seeking, I'm in this direction. And I think Jesus is saying, seek and you'll find, Right? The best book um, that I think I've read on prayer is uh, by Paul Miller, and it's called A Praying Life. And if you want to read a book in 2024, um, add it to the stack of other ones that you probably carried over from 2023. But it's called A Praying Life. It's really fantastic. I want to read you a little quote from what he says. He says, learning to pray is almost identical to maturing over a lifetime. What does it feel like to grow up? It is a thousand feelings on a thousand different days. That is what learning to pray feels like. So don't hunt for a feeling in prayer. Deep in our psyches, we want an experience with God or an experience in prayer. Once we make that our quest, we lose God. You don't experience God, you get to know him. You submit to him, you enjoy him. He is, after all, a person. Consequently, a praying life isn't something you accomplish in a year. It is a journey of a lifetime. The same is true of learning how to love your spouse or a good friend. You never stop learning this side of heaven. There is far too much depth in people to be able to capture love easily. Likewise, there is far too much depth in God to capture prayer easily. I love the way that he frames that because I think for me, at many points in my journey with prayer, what I want is I want to uh, 
step outside of the busyness of my life, and I want to pray, and then I want to feel different. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to feel like God was there, and I want to step back into my busy schedule like, okay, I'm focused, I'm calm, I'm dialed. Like, that was amazing, that time with God. Now, I've had those prayer times, and honestly, I'm in a season where I'm having that, like, more often than ever before in my life. So it's a gift, it's a blessing. But it is not always like that. And if we're coming to prayer like, I'm going to have an experience of God, that's why I pray Paul Miller is saying, um, that's when you lose God. Because you're not pursuing God, right? You're pursuing an experience of God. You're experiencing, you're like, you're, you're questing after a feeling that you're getting. And once that feeling evaporates, then what are you doing, right? Like, why do I keep going back if I don't feel God in that space? So he says, the, the object is God. I'm pursuing God. I want to talk to you, God. I want to share how I'm feeling. I want to be open to listening if you're, if you're ready to speak to me. Um, and that's what we pursue rather than feeling great about it or feeling like everything is going to be fine. So I think the question that Jesus gives us, he's, he, he invites us, seek and you'll find. I think the question that we have to ask ourselves in that is, what are we seeking after? What, what do we want? What are we, what are we looking for? And I, I think we often in life, too often, we're, we're searching after um, our own comfort, our own pleasure, or status, or wealth, or something like that. But I think even on the more subtle side, we can get into a religious mode, but what we're, what we're seeking, pursuing, is more of an experience, more a way of feeling. But for me personally, my, my spiritual life, I kind of shared already, came alive in college. Like, I, it was there earlier, but it really came alive in college. And I feel like in a lot of ways over the last 20 years, it's like I've been trying to get back to that, the way I felt then, you know? Like, I would, I would read just like hours in my Bible and just like getting so much out of it. And it was like the lights were coming on and I was spiritually awake and it was incredible. And I find myself fighting to get back to that and I get discouraged when I don't feel it. I think that's just me seeking a feeling, you know? Seeking an experience instead of seeking God and letting him shape the experience however he wants to. So, the pursuit is not my experience. The pursuit is God himself. So what, what are we seeking in this whole thing? Jesus says, if we seek, then we'll find. So he invites us to seek him. And I think it matters. I think like um, prayer can be really inconvenient. It can feel like, uh, like it's hard for me to carve out time for prayer sometimes because my schedule has to happen and prayer feels like this um, extra thing I have to add on and do and, and, and like a duty. But it's all about, like, what we're pursuing. So I was thinking of it like this. I, um, if, I, if I'm at home, like, in the evening, and I'm starting with a task, so, like, I'm trying to, like, finish up, like, answer emails, or, or even, like, I'm trying to watch a movie or a basketball game or something like that. If I'm starting with a task, then when my girls, my daughters, who are um, 12 and 14, when they come up to me and they start talking to me, it's like an interruption, right? It's like, okay, hang on. Let me stop typing on the computer here and, okay, what was that? Okay, you know, or I'm watching the movie or the game. It's like, pause it. Okay, hang on. Okay, what was that? Okay, and then you, you handle the conversation and you get back to the task that you're doing. I think that's how we live life and I think that's how we treat prayer and God in some ways. But if, like, my goal is to recognize that my daughters are these amazing human beings that I love and really enjoy and want to, like, get to know better, then if I'm working or if I'm watching a movie or a game or something like that and they come up and talk to me, I'm not like, hang on, I'm like, let me close this up and set it aside. Let me turn this whole thing off real quick and let me give you my attention because my goal is I want to get to know you better. And this is an amazing opportunity to do that. So what I'm saying is it's the same scenario, but it reframes it completely based on what we actually want in a given situation. And as parents, we want to be there for our kids. Like I want to be tuned in like that. Um, but the reality is, is sometimes I'm distracted and the, and the conversation is a distraction rather than the goal. 
I think that's how it is with prayer so often is um, rather than sitting there saying, okay, Lord, I've got a lot of stuff to get done. I'll see if I can carve out a few minutes for prayer. You know, if I can wake up early enough, then I will, you know, but it, the first thing to say, no, if my whole goal is like, God, I'm, I'm here today to get to know you better. I'm here for whatever you're inviting into, then, then prayer isn't the inconvenience. Prayer is the essential, right? And it's just, okay, this is an opportunity for me to talk to God. It's the very thing that I want most to be able to do in this world. So Jesus inviting us, seek and you'll find. If we're looking for him, I think he's saying, if we're looking for him, we are going to find him. That's a beautiful invitation that he is giving to us and a beautiful promise he adds there. Thirdly, he says, knock and it will be opened to you. So knocking, I think, is not like asking. I don't think there's a request. And I think knocking is like you're announcing your presence somewhere, right? And you're, you're, you're seeking like to be in a location, right? Or to be with a person. That's why you knock. So you come up and you're just saying like, hey, um, I'm here and I'd like to be here, if that makes sense. So knocking, I think, is less about give me this, give me that. It's even less about the lifelong quest. It's saying, okay, Lord, I'm here I'm knocking, can I be in this place with you right now? Can I be in your presence? I came here to find you, to be with you. And Jesus says, if you knock, the door will be open to you, right? We're let into that space. He's saying, if we come knocking, then we're going to be able to be there with him. It is so much about uh, presence, wanting to be let in so that we can spend time and be in each other's presence. Laura and I have been married for 18 years now. And uh, let me tell you, that flame is still burning bright, okay? It's been amazing. And, um, but it's like we've, over 18 years, you have a lot of conversations, you know? And um, so we've already talked about, like, what's our fav- favorite ice cream flavor? What are our hopes and aspirations in life? What are our greatest fears? So you kind of knock these things off. And even if you do the, like, intentional relationship things of, like, here's, you know, like, these cards you can keep in your car, and you get through, like, 100 key questions for every couple, well, Man, you can go through 100 questions in 18 years, definitely, you know? So what do I not know about Laura that I still need to know, or vice versa, right? It's like, me, probably there's something. I'm, I'm certain there is. But we go on date nights. So lately what it looks like is we've had different ways of kind of keeping, um, you know, uh, pursuing each other over the years, whatever. But the girls now are in youth, and so we drop them off on Wednesday nights. And then most of the time, we'll go out to dinner. And... Um, and I'm just going to tell you, it's not the most, like, romantic thing in the world. Um, you don't have long while the kids are at youth to go, like, do a really nice dinner, nor, like, who has money for that, you know? But So we go to somewhere that's, like, fine, and we talk, but our conversation is not, like, incredible. You know what I'm saying? It's like, how was your day? How was your week? Um, complaining about, you know, your jobs or whatever. Not, obviously not mine, hers, her job. Uh, <clears throat> And you just kind of, uh, you kind of talk about things that you've talked about a bunch of times before. Every now and then there's new things and there's always things to process. But it's not like every single week, every conversation, we're just like getting into the deep information and like, yes, I finally figured out that I, but why do we do it? We do it because we know it's important, right? As people, we're always growing, we're always changing. And if we're not careful to keep like talking to each other, we begin to grow and change in ways that kind of pull us further apart, right? Rather than together. So we know it's vital, important to keep talking and we enjoy it. We do, even though it's not like we don't leave with like the butterflies always, maybe half the time butterflies, but you know, not always. And I think it's a lot like that with prayer. You know, we go to God in prayer, and it's like, what, what, what can I say to God after, you know, I, 42 years I've been alive, and I've been talking to him for most of those years? What can I say to him that he hasn't heard? You know, maybe the, maybe the new needs, the new gripes, those kinds of things I can express, but 
we keep going back and we say it's important. Even if I don't feel like I'm having my life changed every time I go to pray, I know that it's important that as I grow and change as a person that I'm calibrated to him and I'm talking to him and I'm listening for how he's going to speak. It's such a relational thing to keep coming back to him time and again, even when it doesn't feel powerful or earth-shattering or anything, it still matters to do. One of the, the most inspiring stories in church history is uh, the Moravian movement. And this happened like a couple hundred years ago. It was in Europe, and there's this guy. My, this was my uncle. My uncle was a pastor. This was his favorite um, church history chapter of the Moravians. So there's this guy, Count von Zinzendorf, that set aside some of his land. And he invited these Moravian people in, and it was like this religious, spiritual community where they um, cared for each other, and they just prayed nonstop. So this, this was like, there was revival, it was beautiful, and they had this legacy of a hundred-year period of 24-hour prayer. Like, unbelievable. These people were just praying off the hook. So hundred years, and what God did in response is, in, is unreal. So if I listen to podcasts on spiritual life or um, revival or read books on prayer or anything, they always talk about the Moravians and how they prayed and God would show up. And the whole message is, pray. Like, if we want to see God do great things in our time, then we have to also be committed to prayer like they were. So it's beautiful, and they're right. But as I'm processing what Jesus is saying here, I also started thinking about, okay, I bet if you took all of the amazing things that happened in the, Mora the Moravian uh, chapter, and you put it into a paragraph or a page or two in a book, it looks pretty exciting. You know what I'm saying? They prayed, and then this happened. They prayed, and then that happened. They prayed, and then this happened. But if you spread those things out over a hundred years— it's pretty sparse, I think. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they prayed for a long time. Like, imagine whole generations of, like, we've been praying for revival, but people are just not interested. And then maybe 30, 40 years in, all of a sudden, um, God just breaks through, and there's this moment of people coming to the Lord. It's incredible, but think of how boring those 30 and 40 years were leading up to it. And I guess what I'm trying to say is even the exciting chapters of God doing these revival things are not as exciting as we think that they would be. Do you know what I'm saying? We, we have to spend time praying and being okay without it being this epic experience. I don't know if you guys uh, were paying attention last year, but there was this revival that God did last year in um, Asbury. Um, Asbury Seminary, I think it's what, like Kentucky or Tennessee or one of those places. Yeah, and uh, it was this actual revival in our time, like, like to, to where like news crews could go and like film the revival. It's like pretty unbelievable. And it was a chapel service. Everyone was really careful to point out, like, yeah, the, the sermon in the chapel was not very impressive, you know. So, um, and it got done, and people just felt the Lord's presence. So they just kept singing, and everyone just, like, leaves their classes and leaves their sports, and they're just going to this chapel. And then people start traveling from all over the country and the world to, like, I've got to see it. I've got to experience it. So they were waiting in line to just go to these mediocre worship bands just singing songs. And it was like the presence of God was unbelievable. So that is beautiful, and it's incredible, and I love that, and I, I like love the reminder that God can do that. I would love to see God do that here, but even then, that was last year. It lasted for uh, a couple months, a few months, six months maybe, and now you don't hear about it so much. Maybe there's still something happening on a smaller scale, but I guess what I'm saying is our, our experience with God, even the high points aren't necessarily meant to last forever. And God isn't sitting there reviving us in a way that's like just changing everything so it's so epic all the time. Prayer is just about like, look, I'm, I'm knocking, Lord, and I want to be here. I just want to be in your presence. And maybe it will feel amazing, and maybe it won't. And I'm just saying it's okay if it doesn't feel amazing if our pursuit is God himself 
we find a place where we can knock, where we can come, where we do it not for the experience we get, but we do it just because we love God and we're saying it's important, this matters, and I love you and I want to be here with you. I think Jesus says, if you knock, then the door will be open to you. Um, it's a beautiful statement that Jesus makes. Again, not me being wishful thinking, but Jesus himself makes a statement. All right, a couple more verses I want to look at pretty briefly here. But here's Jesus sort of gives some of the logic of this. He says in verse 8, or sorry, verse 9, Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now I know, like, so Jesus is saying here, like, like, look, you guys are kind of degenerates, and you're these, like, evil people, but you as parents are not going to give terrible gifts to your kids just to mess with them, right? And I know some of you youth guys are sitting over here, you're like, well, my dad, and I get it, I do get it. Um, but he's saying, in general, like, most of your dads are not sitting there being like, oh, you know what, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to give them a lump of coal and laugh in their face when they open it, right? In general, as humans, he's saying, we, like, try to bless our kids. Like, we, when, they, when they need something, we want to do. So Jesus is saying, if you're like that, and you're, you're um, disposed to kind of be generous towards your kids, think how much more the Heavenly Father is that way. And he's inviting us to see our relationship with God as a father with his children. And not just a degenerate, evil father like all of us are, who are dads, who are broken and whatever. But, like, as the perfect father, just think how much as we come to him and we ask and we seek and we knock, how much God is disposed to say, I want to give you the good things, right? Now, I think a lot of our trouble um, with like prayer and our disappointments surrounding prayer come because what we ask for, we think we're asking for the good things, but we're actually asking for are not the good things. And I think we're really bad at knowing the difference between those two things. I think back to like when I was in junior high and high school and to the girls that I prayed that the Lord would allow me to date, right? And I look back and, and I'm like, Lord, thank you. You know what a good gift is way better uh, than I did at the time, you know? And, um, and I think that, like, there's so many things in our lives that we just ask God for, like, I need this. It has to be this. Like, I want, like, nothing would make me happier. My life will fall apart if I don't get whatever. And so many times I imagine God just being like, it's very cute. It's very sweet. You have no idea what's actually best for you. And I'm going to not give you that thing you're asking for. Instead, I'm giving you this. And it might not look like a gift, Right? I, I understand how complex what I'm saying is, and I, so I just want to be, like, really realistic with you guys. Like, I, on one level, you can understand my logic. On another level, I'm, I know I'm treading into dangerous territory of being lighthearted and glib about things because some of you are praying for things like, I'm praying that my spouse or my kid will live. I'm praying that this cancer will go away. I'm praying that I'll have food to feed my family. So I, I understand, like, there's a deeper side to we pray for things that are, like, how could it be bad for God to spare this life and we still lose that person? And, and so when God's saying, I give good things to my children, it's like, hmm, I don't know. Here's some evidence to the contrary. So I understand the tension there. And I guess I just ask you to live in the tension a little bit. Like it's about trusting a God that knows more than we do. It's, it, we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to understand what God's going to do or when or how. Um, but I think he's inviting us, see me as a father that's disposed to give you the good things. You may not always understand it, but he is disposed to bless us. And so we reframe prayer, not just as a practice that we do, not just as something that we um, have to like knuckle down and do, not as a technique. I think sometimes we get caught up in prayer or other spiritual disciplines as a technique, that if we do it right, then the outcome will be there. I think it's so much more of a relational thing rather than focusing on 
how we pray, when we pray, how long we pray, who we pray with, where we pray, like those things all matter, but they're not the point. So I want to read one more thing real quick from Paul Miller here as we, as we wrap up. He says, many, many people struggle to learn how to pray because they're focusing on praying, not on God. Making prayer the center is like making conversation the center of a family mealtime. In prayer, focusing on the conversation is like trying to drive while looking at the windshield instead of through it. It freezes us, making us unsure of where to go. Conversation is only the vehicle through which we experience one another. Consequently, prayer is not the center. Getting to know a person, God, is the center. And that's such a good reminder for us. When we come to pray, we're not focused on the details of prayer or how or what. It's like, okay, I'm here to talk to you, God. So just as when I drive, I'm not looking at the windshield, I'm looking through it. Prayer becomes this opportunity to connect with God rather than making it the focus. And so the whole thing, the whole thing, I think the point of this passage is Jesus saying, I want you to ask, I want you to seek, I want you to knock. And when you do, like, I'm going to give you the things that you're asking for. I'm going to, uh, you're going to find what it is that you're seeking. I'm going to open the door and invite you in. I think Jesus is literally just saying, come on in. I'm a loving father and I want to spend that time with you. So let's do it. And I just want to leave us with this. As we start the year and as we do our thing and everything else, I understand how busy it's going to be. I'm not expecting anyone to pray perfectly as long as you promise not to expect me to do it perfectly. But I, I just feel like I want us to care. You know what I'm saying? Like I want us to be reminded again of like, okay, this matters. And my feeling is less important than the reality of saying, God, you're there and I love you and I want to spend that time with you. Um, so let's find a place where we can knock and we can say, okay, Lord, I'm here. I want to spend time with you. It might be like there's a spot in my backyard that I try to go to, and that's where I feel like often I can connect with God. Sometimes it's not super impressive, but sometimes it's there, but I try to get up early enough to spend that time and do it. There's other times during the day when I'm driving or whatever where I'm like, that's the place where I'm going to knock and try to spend that time with God. I, a couple of invitations I want to make to you. Um, I'm going to send out an email this week um, to, to uh, all of you inviting you into some prayer things. So please don't feel like some um, obligation or pressure. Like there's nothing, there's no sense of like you got to do this, if not, whatever. But I just want to invite you to a few things. So in that email, I'm going to spell out a few things. One is Every Sunday morning, I'm praying at 8 o'clock in the event room back here with a small little group of people. It's such a blessing. We pray for what happens here. We pray for the church as a whole. We pray for the country and everything. So if you want to join us at 8 o'clock, you can come early for the first service and just hang out. It's a beautiful time to pray. Um, during the first service every week, there's a group that prays back in the conference room over here. They'd love to have you come and pray with them. Um, Tuesday mornings at 9 o'clock, there's a prayer group that meets here um, to pray. Um, there's a... Um, we use this Echo Prayer app that is basically like our prayer chain. So we put out um, prayer requests on it, and then we all can kind of see them together and pray. So I'm going to send out that email inviting you how you could sign up for that. So if you want to have these reminders of uh, what needs we have in our church and our community, you can pray. At the end of February, we're going to put together a little uh, mini prayer retreat. It's just going to be here at the church. It's just going to be very simple and quiet, but we're going to take like a morning a Saturday morning, and just say, we're going to spend a few hours in prayer, and, it, and we'll structure it so that it's not too, you know, if you don't structure it, it becomes a nap, you know? Um, so we're going to structure it in a way that there's stuff we do together, there's scriptures we read, there's prayers we pray, and some time by ourselves. As, as a staff, we've been doing this um, a couple times a year for a while, and it's been the best thing ever, and we want to invite all of you into that. It's not convenient to do it on a Saturday morning for a lot of you, but we're just putting the invitation out there to do it. And I, I guess... The big thing, the takeaway, all that is, I just want us to start hearing Jesus' invitation. 
Starting here, just ask, seek, knock. Ask what we want, seek who we want, knock at the door that we want to enter. So a moment to just ask ourselves, and I'm just going to give you a quiet minute here. Quiet minutes are weird, but it's a gift, I promise you. A quiet minute here. And I would love for us just to start by practicing and just saying, okay, I'm like in a, in, a, in a literal minute of silence here, just coming to the Lord and, and either asking him or telling him, who, who do I want, Lord? Who do I want? What am I seeking after? Um, where do I want to be like led into? What door do I want to be led into? Um, and I think, you know, if, if God's the answer to any of those things, right, um, then I would say prayer is the answer to that. It's our next step. In the Bible, prayer is as normal as breathing. And so, um, let's just take a minute here, uh, quietly, uh, to just ask those questions before the Lord, and then we'll uh, move on. So, quiet time. Ask the Lord these three questions. Lord, a minute feels <coughs> so long when it's just silence. And after all my yapping up here, it's, uh, it's just, it's wild to take just some quiet moment. It's like I can feel after the hurriedness of trying to talk and get all, all the information to just sit there and, and speak to you quietly and listen to you. It's like I can feel even now the, the burden coming off. And Lord, I just, I pray for us as a family, Lord, that... Um, what, what are we trying to accomplish as a church? What are we trying to do? Lord, I, I have some answers to those things, but I, Lord, I want us to be a family that just listens to you, that just talks to you. And Lord, I do want to talk about you to each other, but I, I, I want us to talk to you. So Lord, I pray that you would work something in our hearts, work, work miracles in our schedules to clear the space, Lord, um, to incline our hearts towards listening for you and, and talking to you and coming to you directly, Lord, with the things. Lord, show us how to do it. Teach us how to pray. Um, teach us how to sit and enjoy your presence. Um, Lord, I, I just, I believe that so much transformation in life happens in these prayerful times, and I pray that you would invite us into that more and more as we live and as we seek you. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.